Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of The Juice. I'm your host, Solomon Giorgio, comedian, writer, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. Today's guest is an absolutely hilarious comedian and father of two who can be seen regularly on the late night shows. The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, The Late Show with Seth Meyers, and The Late Late Show with James Corden. He also breaks down the strange and upside down news of the world every week in his podcast from the Exactly Right Podcast Network, Bananas. And he has a brand new special out now called Perfectly Stupid. Let's give a big, juicy welcome to Kurt Bronoler. Hi, Kurt. How are you? Hello, <laughs> Solomon. I love having to do that. I, even though we chatted right before, I love having to start over in a conversation just saying, hi. <laughs> yeah, to, to start presentationally. Yes. And now we will begin with the presentation yeah. of the hellos. It's it's a it's the my attempt at a radio voice. It's the best I can offer. <laughs> <laughs> there are certain podcasts that I listen to that you there's like they have one version of it that's like the presentational format, yes, and then they have another one like discussing that format. And the discussing that format, I prefer that dude's voice so much more than when he's just like. And then here it comes, the danger. You know, it's just like so <laughs> so yeah, intense. The- it's the monster truck rally voice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> admission gets you the whole seat, but you'll only need the edge. <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, Sunday in the mud. <laughs> oh, man. Um, well, how have you been? I'm good. Because uh, you're in New Jersey, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which part of New Jersey? Uh, Neptune. So just outside Asbury Park. Okay, so it's a nicer part because I no, I've been to South Jersey and that is not the nice part. <laughs> <laughs> well, Atlantic City is definitely not the nice part, and the pine. I kind of like the Pine Barrens. The Pine Barrens are crazy. Okay, um, Jersey is as small of a state as it is. The landscape like differs wildly from one part to the next. It's really insane, and also this place, the Pine Barrens, is the largest national park on the East Coast, and nobody knows about it. No one. <laughs> it literally sits in between Philly and Atlantic City. And just no one's aware that it exists. Yeah. I feel like people just like to dogpile on Jersey as a state. Have, did, was that something that you, you had to grow up with as well? Oh, it's all the time. And I do, honestly, I don't mind. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't mind. Stay away. If you think Jersey sucks, stay away. Please do. It's already incredibly crowded. <laughs> we don't it's need true. any more people. Yeah, I feel like a, a lot of New York is moving there now because it's... Like people always lived in like Jersey City or like across the water at, at one point or another and pretended yeah. to live in New York. <laughs> yeah, no, no. New York is the cocoon and then you become the butterfly in New Jersey. Every, <laughs> it's the cycle of life. And then you die. And then you die in Jersey. 
<laughs> and your and your and your wings feed the next uh, <laughs> the next round of caterpillars. So, what is Neptune like? Like, is it like uh, was it like a smaller city or like one of? I have no idea. It's just like a straight up suburb. Um, Neptune itself was a little bit. It, it was kind of the quote unquote wrong side of tracks for for like that area. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and then Asbury was also like that as well, because I used to live in Asbury as well. And Asbury was this fascinating place where it used to be in the, like from the 30s to the 50s was this like Mecca, like the Rat Pack would go down there. And it was like, they had like all these, like four movie theaters in like a 16 block radius, you know, and like uh, all like the major department stores were there. And then it just had a big economic crash in the 70s. And, uh, And it was essentially abandoned. It was like very empty, um, until uh, like around like the 2000s or so. And then it yeah. started like like businesses. Speaking about businesses, like businesses started coming back. And now it's kind of like got a thing again. But okay. it still has like this abandoned casino on the uh, on the boardwalk <laughs> that's just a series of broken, broken pieces of glass. And it's just like really? a husk of what it used to be. Yes. That's... It's just, okay. that's what's kind of crazy about it. It's like, it's this, uh, it's this husk of former glory, which is how I feel about Jersey in general. And that's, <laughs> that's kind of like what I, what I love about it. Because, uh, yeah, Neptune is a glorious name of a city. I can only imagine that it was had to be glorious at one point. Like, yeah. you, can't, you don't just name something Neptune and just walk away. <laughs> <laughs> he is the king of the sea. <laughs> like yeah, you have but to. it's not even on the ocean. That's the best part. It's like, <laughs> 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 Yeah, it's it's aspirational, is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's by a dirty river, uh, and so you can get to the ocean, but you need to travel the river first. I respect that. Um, so, like growing up there, would you say it's a very like a lot of rumor mills going on throughout your childhood? I'm trying to think if it was there. You know, uh, as a kid, I, there was like my mom was a pediatric nurse. Oh. You know, and nurses' schedules are very erratic, so. Um, sometimes she wouldn't be home until kind of like late at night. And when those would happen as a child, I would go to Mrs. Kelly's house. And Mrs. Kelly ran, I guess, a daycare at her house, but it was also where she lived. And also her kids were there as well. Ah. And so I would get like dropped off there. And that felt like a, a big rumor mill because it was just... It was just her backyard. There was no like yeah. structure to the time. It was just like <laughs> we're in the backyard for four hours alone. Just like I grew up mostly in the eighties, uh, and I think yeah, just loose children in a backyard <laughs> was kind of my whole childhood as well. <laughs> yeah, and also, the, and and now being a parent is fascinating. To like, I I I want to get back to this idea mm-hmm. of like just go out and come home when it's dark. <laughs> Primarily because I want the free time. But. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's an impossible dream right now. <laughs> There's too many podcasts. There's too yeah. many podcasts about like the one child abduction that happens, uh, you know, and it's like, ah, usually the ch- child abductions are by people who know the kid. That's the norm. I think also a lot of people are having less children. Yes. Uh, I think I think we're from a generation. I'm from a big family. I know. I think you're from a big family, too. Yeah. And I think at that point, if the kid gets abducted, like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. When you had seven kids. (laughs) Yeah. It was like, well, we still have six. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like like one or two, you have to keep track. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like that's that's when you chip them because you're like, yeah, if you lose this one, people know. (laughs) (laughs) I'll totally chip a kid. I'd chip a kid. (laughs) (laughs) I've... 
Uh, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> but you had like your kids were in like you had pandemic like yeah. like like was that a big shift? Because my nephew was born uh, in the midst of the pandemic, and he was acclimating was weird. <laughs> it was yeah, it was really really intense for primarily the first six months because first six months we didn't have any daycare whatsoever and school didn't exist and my son just didn't sleep. He did not sleep at all. Oh. So he was six months when we went into the pandemic. And then he did not sleep for like a year. And so we were just like sleep deprived, going Uh crazy and with the kids at all times and no money coming in. And it was just like, I was real every day of panic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like that's a psychosis uh, causer. (laughs) It was really, really intense. (laughs) Fever dreams. I I was just by myself. (laughs) I mean, like that. that, And like our our pandemics were so radically different. I was never ever alone. <laughs> and I would have dream I would have switched places with you at an instant. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure the the like the flip of like just being around people would have been really nice. Oh, I just started talking out loud. Uh, <laughs> Because I figured be fully psycho just to be a person not saying anything. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, there was a part of me that like somebody started filming me right now, and it's just me not saying anything for hours. That's just even more terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> And I remember, I remember, because I, I actually saw you. Yeah, it seems like you know, on a regular-ish basis during the pandemic because yeah. of you. You did hot tub so many times. Yeah, that was fun. Um, it was helpful. <laughs> it was, but also I think truly the saddest experience is doing a comedy uh, show and then slowly closing your laptop and being. <laughs> it is the saddest. I would because especially you would have like headphones on and like people yeah. would be talking and everything, and then the moment you take the headphones off and it's just dead silence. <laughs> exactly. Like I would go to the bathroom during like during the show. I'm like, oh. It's just me. <laughs> it was so upsetting. It's so upsetting. Um, because like I'm trying to like I, when I do like talking about this aspect in comedy because uh, you were improv first or, before you went into stand up. Yeah, or I did improv it? for like seven years before I started doing stand up. Oh, gee, that's yeah. a big shift. It's a long time. I were, honestly was like obsessed with improv, and I was like, well, this is it. I was like hook, line, and sinker. I was like in the church. Yeah, I. I I'm very impressed by it because I think I started with improv and I get, I'm very bad at committing to characters and you are much better than I am. <laughs> but honestly, I never would really do characters. I would just be talking as me and I was like, why the fuck uh, have, wasn't I doing stand-up? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, that's what I wanted to it's, be actually doing. It's still, you still did the work. Yeah. <laughs> I did a lot of, uh, oh, I placed my glass here and I'll remember where it was when I pick it up later. Like, that um, matters. <laughs> did you do the open mic scene in New York as well? I never did an open mic oh, scene. Good. I, I started Hot Tub when I started yeah. writing. So I always had a place that I could go every week and try new material. It's not It's not worth it. <laughs> it yeah, it's, I, I mean, I've, I've been to open mics. They're just so dark and brutal. Uh, at open mics, we'd have insane people just show up. But they would do stuff. Like, I had a guy named um, uh, Information Gangster... And <laughs> <laughs> where was this? Where were this you coming in up Seattle. in New York? This is Seattle. And oh, Seattle. Uh, okay. he would just like, he, the most insane thing, he would truly just pull out an index card and he'd point out that this is the size of, the average size of uh, what is uh, the human male foreskin. <laughs> and he, then he's like, and, and they cut it off. <laughs> and then he... And- <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> this guy thinks that an index card is the amount of foreskin that was removed. I, I truly and <laughs> and then he would start. Then he'd be like, he'd like look at the audience, like, how do you feel if somebody took that off? And I, it was truly, 
it was so uncomfortable, but I, of course, was holding back every ounce of laughter. Because <laughs> the room is, was, is there like, what is that for early improv? Is there like a person that's like, just makes everybody just like uncomfortable? Oh yeah, it's called the majority of improv. <laughs> I also was a teacher, so I taught uh, level one. Oh. And so you would always have those people who were like there for definitively the wrong reasons. <laughs> Um, and it would usually be an uh, like an older man who would like join the class because there's like young women in the class, and he was just like a and so it's like oh, this like delicate tight as a teacher like delicate tightrope because like they're a paying paying student and you have to like but you also have to protect all these other students as well and so like uh, and he, and he would like I would immediately nip it in the butt if it yeah. was ever overt but then it would always just be these teeny little microaggression shit uh. things. Where you're just like, how, like, oh. And it's just like finding new and different ways to be like, you can't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Without just being like, that sucked. Because you can never say that sucked yeah. as a teacher. Oh, gosh. I would happily say that. That's why I'm not a teacher. I <laughs> I, would. I think that there were a bunch of improv <laughs> teachers who would be like, that sucked. I was like, very much like, I can't do that. These are people who are trying. Like, was there anybody that would like bring a character up over and over again that was truly despised? <laughs> <laughs> so many of them. Because also this was like, you know, early 2000s. Yeah. So that just, I mean, I remember like there were, there's things that were happening on stage routinely yeah. that now would, everyone would have gotten canceled. <laughs> It's fascinating that it was just not that long oh, ago. Oh, it really wasn't. I yeah. I started in 2007 and I could not imagine anything that I did my first year being allowed ever again. Yeah. Yeah, for real. I mean, I remember some of like Kristen and I's sketches that we were like, this is just like, <laughs> we're being funny and we're just like, oh, we cannot do these ever again. <laughs> Let them disappear. And you know what? It's fine. Growing Growth is important. <laughs> growth is important, guys. Growth is important. <laughs> Wait, I'm assuming you also had a bunch of awful jobs along the way. I did. I, my first job in New York City was as a... I worked at a cafe, um, like just selling coffee, and I could not even pay my rent. <laughs> <laughs> and my rent my rent was $500 a month. And so I quickly quit the cafe, and I got a job at a TV production company. But it was weirdly too close to what I wanted to be doing. Yeah. And I quit. I quit because I wanted to have a job I hated yeah. that wouldn't get me anywhere same. so that I would have to make comedy work. Same. I did that same. Yeah. I was I was like I was working a corporate job. Uh, it wasn't along the same industry, but it was like one of those things like I'm going I'm making money, I'm going up the ladder where I was like it's I'm going to be unhappy I'm working 50 hours a week. I'd rather yeah. be broke. And so yeah, I went back to serving cuz like this is a job <laughs> with that can't hurt me <laughs> and I yeah. and I can't improve upon. So Yeah. A, a place saw my resume and I had had put, this is yeah. like 2000, and I'd put HTML as one of my skills because I had a basic understanding of HTML. <laughs> and they're like, will you come in and, uh, and oversee the project of making our website? And I was like, of course I will. And it was a temp agency. So I worked at a staffing agency. And after the web project was done, I essentially just went out and hired a company to do the project, which is like so crazy. It's like, why is this position even available? And then they're like, would you like to stay on and just fix our computers? <laughs> and I was like, I'd love to. And I, do, I, major, I majored in English and philosophy. I know nothing about computers. 
but I could Yahoo answers to things because this was pre-Google. So you you conned your way into an IT job. <laughs> and then I and then I slowly moved further and further away so yeah. people couldn't see what I was doing until I moved into the computer room. So I essentially had my own office and I would just be in there. No one could yeah. see my computer screens and I would just write comedy. Of course. All day, every day. Did I literally every day did 10 to 15 minutes of actual oh, work for that company. That is, amazing. I'm... Truly, I'm proud of you. <laughs> like, that is, I'm jealous. I'm, I'm very like I've I manipulated a lot of ways to get into like I worked in bars and stuff and like definitely tried my least amount of effort to get money while focusing on stand up. That is, that's an art. That's a masterpiece. That is. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, and I I could I would just close the door and no one would know if I was there or not and I would just sleep on the floor. It was amazing. And then I convinced them that they needed to do. Uh, video interviews and put mm-hmm. them online. This isn't like 2002 yeah. or something when video their video is like impossible yes. to have online. So I convinced them to buy like a six thousand dollar camera and then I would use it to <laughs> shoot sketches. <laughs> and then I one day I was riding with the camera in my backpack. I was I was riding my bike through Brooklyn and a, a dude doored me and I flipped off my bike, landed on the camera, broke the camera physically in half, and then I just put it back <laughs> in the box and put the box kind of in the corner. And I was the only one who ever touched the camera, so they no one ever knew. I, Kurt, you were already a bit of my hero, and now <laughs> your place there has been solidified. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Kurt, it is now time to read a couple of the juicy submissions we get from our listeners. It, it is, is mailbag time. time. We're going to move on to the mailbag. Uh, these are listener submissions, and we're going to rate them as well. Okay. I'll give you the, the rating scale. Uh, so after each letter, we're going to rate it based off of juice level. There's dry, being boring, mm-hmm. moist, slightly tantalizing, and fully <laughs> juiced, uh, salacious to the uptake <laughs> level. <laughs> okay. And uh, here is the first submission. All right, I'm ready. I grew up in a small town where everybody knows most things about everybody. My mom, grandma, and great-grandma all grew up in the same town and went to the same high school as me. I had a teacher. Let's call him Mr. Smith. He wasn't a good teacher. We watched a lot of movies about serial killers. <laughs> After a few weeks, I noticed that he was always hanging out with another teacher I had. Let's call her Miss Johnson. I regularly saw him flirting in the hallways. I casually uh, mentioned all the flirting to my mom one day, thinking it was just fun gossip. She was floored. Turns out Mr. Smith was my mom's best friend's husband's brother. He was married. Whoa. (laughs) Everyone suspected he was having an affair, but they weren't sure. I had unwittingly discovered the affair partner. (laughs) Oh! (laughs) I I went to class the next day and told Mr. Smith that I had found out that his sister-in-law was my mom's best friend and that it was so funny that the town we lived in was so small. Every time I saw Mr. Mr. Smith and Miss Johnson together, I gave them a big knowing smile. Mr. Smith and his wife got divorced and I got an A in the class. Whoa, really? <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah, sometimes a person who lets out the secret is uh, kind of re- <laughs> releases you. <laughs> right. Now, once it's like, cause, yeah, because secrets, they just, they bind us. Oh, yeah. They bind <laughs> us. And that's why gossip is so great. Oh, wow. I'm fully <laughs> juiced. Um, uh, You're fu- I'm fully juiced. Just to gossip and catch somebody <laughs> that's cheating. That's, Yeah. Because it's always like you, an assumption mm-hmm. or you're like, I think something's going on. And then to actually have a beautiful confirmation is it makes the juice. Yeah. It makes the juice. Well, that's, like, my that teachers much are better. hooking up. Well, one of them is married. I'm like, oh, 
Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> what a relief. <laughs> did you ever had did you ever see any uh, interteacher uh, hookups? I we had two science teachers hook up, but um, they were both uh, pretty mean, so no one was invested. <laughs> <laughs> like whether or not they were married, it didn't bother any of us. It's like whoever their spouses were, hopefully they're free. <laughs> I had this one teacher who was an English teacher named Mr. Smith, I think. Yeah. He would wear orange tinted regular glasses. So his uh-huh. regular like uh, eyeglasses were orange tinted, big like aviator style, regular glasses and would chain smoke out the door of the class so that as you were coming in, he was in the, with the door propped open smoking. (laughs) And then he would like to start class, like throw his cigarette out, close the door and start class. (laughs) And there was a rumor that he had been in Nam and he had been affected by Agent Orange and that's why he had to wear the orange tinted glasses. But I was just thinking about it the other day that that makes so little sense. It's oh. just the word orange. <laughs> I I love that we had one math teacher. He so much chalk in his hand, but he'd also pull his wedgie. So oh. every time you got to class, you just wait for him to turn around and see just a giant <laughs> mark of chalk dust right center of his butt. Oh, because he would. <laughs> you can see where he yes. is. Oh no. Yes. Oh no. And that's something he'll never ever oh. know. And he always wore dark pants. <laughs> <laughs> I had, um, so I went to an all boys Catholic school. And so I had uh, brothers teaching half the classes. Really? That, yeah. They were, they were, you know, essentially monks. And yeah. uh, they were, they were all the worst teachers because they were not like, they didn't have a calling to education. Yeah. They had a calling to like just be monks or whatever. Yeah. And then they were like forced to teach. And one of this, this guy named Brother John, he taught Latin, which I took for some reason. I took four years of Latin. I know no Latin because he wouldn't let you hold a pen during class. He wouldn't let you take notes. Uh, he thought it would be better if you just like paid attention. And he was, it was so insane. And he was a real fucking pervert. Uh-huh. And he would always talk about like his little niece's cupcake breasts. It was oh, like so yeah. upsetting and disturbing. <laughs> And I remember one day he, a kid picked up a, a pen during his class and he had told him to put the pen down. Yeah. And the, like he grabbed the pen and, and threw it and then the kid got mad or something. He hit the kid. Then the kid got up and just punched him. <laughs> <laughs> it was so crazy. This was all just like, and everyone oh was just God. like cheering. Like, yeah! Of course. <laughs> Fuck Brother John. Jeez. Fuck Brother John. <laughs> I do not endorse violence against <laughs> educators, but I do endorse violence against Brother John. Yeah, I don't either. But Brother John, <laughs> he had it coming. Uh, <laughs> Brother John had it coming. <laughs> um, so here's the next mission. Uh, uh, okay. I, I am a uh, union iron worker and therefore work with a lot of very unhinged cis men. There were twin brothers. <laughs> <laughs> there were twin brothers there who would always have two open unemployment claims going and would alternate days going to work for each other so they could each collect a paycheck and an unemployment check. <laughs> oh. They also blew an entire workers' comp settlement on cocaine and Green Bay Packers tickets. <laughs> it's to be noted that Green Bay is roughly 13 hours from where they live. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's what they needed the cocaine I, for, to stay up to get to the Green Bay Packers games. Look, the things I would do if I had an identical twin, uh, <laughs> these would not even be on the top of the list. <laughs> that is, wow. Collect a paycheck. That's That I would do. That I so think. Wait, so wait, so, um, okay, I'm so confused. So like, so it was one paycheck, but they split it because they would each go to work different days. One was well, one of them had an employ- unemployment, and the other one had. Oh, work. I see. So they were both getting paid, and they would just switch back and forth on who got who would work, so they could maintain the, the unemployment and the. Paycheck. Interesting. That's fascinating. But then, then I guess I don't know what the workers' comp settlement is for, and how they mm-hmm. both got it. Uh, but they should have. Honestly, I'm not going to judge anyone for what they blow yeah. their money on. <laughs> Cocaine and Green Bay Packers tickets. I've done worse. I have, I, I have as well. <laughs> I, have, I have done way worse and I can't be out here judging. Uh, so I'm going to give this a moist. I want to know what they're doing now. <laughs> There's not enough. I'm going to give it a dry because I don't get enough details. I want yeah. more details on them. Yeah. I want to know their whole life. Yes. I want to know what these twins have gotten away with and the insane dirty deeds they've done. Have they switched uh, roles during sex? I want to see that as well. Because <laughs> I bet that also happened. <laughs> I wonder how often that occurs. I I think I dated I dated a twin. Yeah. One, I dated both of the twins once when I was in sixth grade. And I was dating one of them. But I would always talk to them on the phone. And it was both of them on what? the phone always. Yes. And their voices sounded identical as well. And then one day we went to a dance and... The other one who I wasn't dating took me aside and said, my sister wants to break up with you. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was like a little sad. And she's like, but I would like to date you. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just like, I think I asked the wrong, like I got confused and asked the wrong one out. And like, they were just like sixth graders. So they said yes. (laughs) Oh my God. That is... <laughs> and so then I just started dating the other one. It was so crazy. It's like I that's that's fantastic. <laughs> and they're exactly identical? Yeah, they were. I believe their names were the English twins, but I can't be certain. I've tried to look oh. them up and I have not. Found them. Reach out. Hey, remember when we dated? <laughs> remember when we dated? That was kind of crazy. What are you like now? Are you crazy or do you have a family? <laughs> have you guys dated the same guy ever since? <laughs> I just want to know if this is a pattern. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think we just held hands. I think that was like the amount that it was at. Oh, yeah, Yeah. that's way back when. Oh, that's technically not even... Oh, God. Yeah, that was the curse of being a gay kid uh, uh, and trying not to date (laughs) girls because they can be like, oh, we had lunch together, so we're we're boyfriend-girlfriend now. I'm like, oh. (laughs) Oh, no. It's... Yeah. (laughs) So did you know know in sixth grade? Oh, I knew since I was like nine. I was... Okay. Everyone knew since I was. <laughs> <laughs> and when did you come out? Uh, I was eighteen, but I came out. Okay. With, I was I was a very I was very spiteful, vengeful uh, for coming out. I I told everybody, <laughs> and, I, and I didn't care. <laughs> vengeful coming out. Uh, it's it pop, It's just spite now. I have like it might not even be real. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> And that's the mailbag. Thank you all so, so much for sending in your mail. Okay, Kurt, let's take a quick break and we'll be back with the juice line. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? 
Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Welcome back to The Juice. I'm here with the always entertaining Kurt Bonneler. All right, Kurt, now's the time in our show when we go to the phone. Uh, we call it the Juice Line, and I'm hearing from our board operator that today's caller is Kim. Let's patch her in. Please hold. Thank you. Hi. Hi, Solomon. Hi, Kim. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Thank you. Welcome. How are you? I'm great. How are you, Solomon? I'm very, very Hi, good. Uh, well, you know the both of us. I don't have to introduce you. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> well, Kim, you have some great gossip, and I clearly, that's obviously, that is uh, my lifeblood. Uh, so yeah, whatever you, whatever you want to start, please go ahead. Yeah, all right. So we'll set the stage. This yes. all starts at a state school in the Great, great Lakes region in a medium-sized city mm. uh, where I went to school mid-2000s. Okay. Uh, I moved away after graduating and we make fairly frequent trips back to the city. And on one of these trips, I run into this person we'll call Ace. Solid pseudonym. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So Ace is having an art show. It's art walk, all these little shops put up student work, local artists are displayed. And Ace is like, hey, I'm raising funds for Burma. Uh, It's like, oh, that's an interesting project. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like what, what is this all about? He's like, yeah, I'm got some stuff about Burma. What's the age at this point? We're like early 20s. So, mm-hmm. you know, like okay, mid 20s, early 20s. Okay. Ace is a couple years younger than I am. Um, I had some arts classes with him. Okay. My boyfriend at the time, who is now my husband, also just kind of knew him through our friend okay. circles. Well, you didn't overlapped. have to brag there, Kim. Okay, that was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so we kind of have overlapping friend circles. We know each other a little bit. We both run into Ace, and Ace is telling us about this trip that he has to Burma. Like, Mm -hmm. wow, good for you. It's impressive. Good luck with that. Bye. Like, I'm not giving you any of my money. Yeah. No, thank you. Um, So I find out he's been fundraising for a while for this. He's been selling his art. He's been collecting donations. He's actually had a couple of articles written in this city about himself and this project. And the whole town is kind of falling over themselves about this kid and oh he's gonna go out and do so much good work and all these good deeds and they're so proud of him and Mm -hmm. uh, and they're like oh these just these poor brown people who just cannot help themselves and like just classic like we're not racist how do you say you're not racist yeah like oh we're gonna help these brown people (laughs) yes colonialism Mm -hmm. yeah the whole the whole town is gonna go out to help these poor brown people who cannot help themselves and they're gonna do it (laughs) through ace And so he's had this like film screening, which probably means he just rented a documentary from the university library and showed it in a study room. (laughs) And and he's an art student, so he has zero geopolitical experience. Mm Yeah, but he is single-handedly going to end the plight of these human rights atrocities (laughs) happening across the world. And he's going to bring that awareness back here. Okay. You know, over this year, like thinking about it, and I bring up his GoFundMe page, 
But the whole thing is like, all right, I'm going to single-handedly save all these people in Burma. And all you have to do is pay for my airfare, pay for my room and board, pay for my food. Don't worry. I don't eat much. I'm a skinny guy. Don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) Pay for my art supplies, pay for a camera, uh, and then anything else that's left over after this trip that I take to document life in Burma, I'm going to bring back. And I'm not going to donate it to... A, you know, a, a local cause. I'm not going to donate back to Burma. It's going to go to my exhibitions that I'm going to share, <laughs> share with all of you. It is. Oh, <laughs> look, the writing is on the wall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we run into him maybe about a year later. And I'm like, oh, hey, how'd that project go? Are you still fundraising? Is it going well? And he's just kind of like, oh, no. He's like, did you go to Burma? And he kind of is like, mumbled something and like walked away and my husband's like elbowing me and he's like don't bring it up don't talk about that (laughs) what yeah "Yeah." he just (laughs) took the money and he kept it (laughs) so this whole town is like won't talk about it everybody's like hushed up about it i think they're all just so embarrassed because they just were falling all over themselves to you know, associate themselves with this great work that this great person's going to do for all of us and all of them. And they're like, I don't remember that. I didn't give him any money. That didn't <laughs> happen. And so like, no one will talk about it. And it's all hushed up. And my husband's like, yeah, don't talk about it. We're not going to talk about that. Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so I kind of think about it every once in a while. I'm like, man, what an asshole. Yeah. But he just fucked off with the money. And all of his artwork has nothing to do with human rights. <laughs> it's like blobs of paint. And later on, it's just he sets it on fire. So it's like, you know, your art is not very good. If you <laughs> can only sell it, if you set it on fire. <laughs> yeah, you hear that, Banksy? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so he didn't start, he, he didn't even have like an exhibition called like the Great Swindle or anything like that, where he like documented how much money and what he actually spent that is, on. Oh my God. Yeah, he kind of like disappeared. He just left town with all of the money. He like didn't contact anybody. He's not friends with anybody anymore. He just took the money and ran and like left town. How much money could this have been? Like, was it $3,000 or something? Yeah, how much? Probably at least. I know the, the Kickstarter failed and that was like, a you know, 500-ish. So, but also he's been selling yeah. work. He's been generating um, donations. He's been, been collecting cash. So it was probably a couple thousand dollars and like, well, you know, <laughs> it's not nothing. When you're 20, well, 25, you know, it's, it's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. That's like three months. That was yeah. like five months worth of rent for me at that time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> was, yeah. That's, oh, that's impressive. But that, the whole town keeping it a secret, that's always like people not willing to be embarrassed and confront somebody. That's always, yeah. I've never had that ability. I've always, I'm impressed by it. They're like, so ashamed of themselves. <laughs> <laughs> sounds very Catholic. <laughs> it is, actually. <laughs> sounds painful. Like, yeah. I, if I get scammed, everyone's going to know, and I'm going to point out the person that did it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care how dumb I look. <laughs> so he took off. Yeah. He left. He never went back to the town. Right. When you saw him again, it was like in a different place. I saw him. I saw him probably about a year after he didn't take the trip, right? So I saw him, and then about a year later, ran into him again, and he hadn't taken the trip. And shortly after that, he disappeared. That's great. I love it. (laughs) 
<laughs> First of all, let's talk to your husband about keeping a secret. What's going <laughs> no, on over there? No. <laughs> <laughs> or, let's have a discussion with your non-confrontational husband about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, can't talk about that. If I didn't tell him I was going to come on, I was going to ask him if he remembered, but I knew he was going to like <laughs> not... <laughs> not, not let me, but he was like, don't talk about that. Protect Ace at all <laughs> yeah, costs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we can't. We can't. I love that. <laughs> he said those things. He did those things. Like, I don't have anything to be embarrassed about. You don't, Kim. Not at all. You have every right to tell me everything. Thank you so much. <laughs> that is so, that's a wonderful tale. That is, uh, you know what? I'm a little proud of Ace. He pulled it off. <laughs> I've never known someone who scams an entire town, but like he did it. Yeah. He didn't do it in like a conspicuous way either. It is, it was an obvious scam from Jump and you noticed and unfortunately not that many people listen to women of color. So they, they get what they deserve. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think the icing on the cake now is that he has a link on one of his social media pages to Ukrainian refugees. (laughs) (laughs) Like fundraising for Ukrainian refugees. Oh gosh, this. Oh, that's so great. Like we we found we found a low level Coney twenty (laughs) twelve, and there are probably many out there. But thank you so much for sharing that story. You're welcome. Thank you for letting me share. (laughs) Have a wonderful day. You too. Bye. Bye. Oh wow. (laughs) That's I've yeah I've never like scamming other people for money. Like strangers, that sounds like the scariest thing in the world to do. Well, also, it's it's very you know what, and also I I do know because I did once do a Kickstarter, yeah, and um and like uh because it was to skywrite how do I land in the sky, and then I raised it was four thousand dollars for the skywriting, and then there was an additional two thousand dollars I raised, and like that money went towards the all the rewards that I promised people, yeah, and my God, because like after you like do the thing, then you're like. Oh, I have to do hundreds of framed, yes. signed photographs. I remember. And it was, it took me so long to do. And I was just like, it would be so easy just to not do this. So I understand on some level the ease of just ripping yes, everybody But you didn't off. do but it. I, think I, gave, I did. I did do it. I gave everybody you, you, their, you, their You did the thing that you had to do. And that's, you know what? Being honorable is uh, it's it's a it's a struggle. Uh, I don't. <laughs> it's, it's a, such a struggle. Uh, but that's that's actually going to be the episode. That is, that's everything. That was uh, yeah. My my face is it would be red if I was white because I've been laughing. So <laughs> <laughs> it felt good. It yeah, felt thank good to you. laugh. It was a very finally. it was very cathartic. Thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> thank you for having me. Thanks so much to the hysterical and wonderful Kurt Bottler for joining me on today's episode. Be sure to check out his podcast, Bananas, from Exactly Right. And you can find a link to his new comedy special, Perfectly Stupid, on his website, kurtbonneler.com. As always, if you want to tell your story on The Juice, send them in by visiting teamcoco.com slash heyjuice. Please remember to rate and review an Apple podcast. Give us all those brilliant stars. We do appreciate it. And thank you so much for listening. And as always, have a juicy day. This has been a Team Coco production. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, 
we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.